If there's one place that the kingdom should be demonstrated first and foremost, it's in the believer's family. And if there's one place that Satan is attacking today, it's the family. Because it was designed by God to represent the kingdom. And Satan wants to blur and obscure and eliminate the message of the kingdom. He's afraid of the kingdom. Because wherever the kingdom is established, his power has come to an end. So there are two primary ways in which the kingdom can come. Invisibly. In the individual heart and life of the believer. And in the corporate fellowship of the true church. And not least in the Christian home. But that's not the ultimate. The ultimate is the visible establishment of God's kingdom on earth. And the visible kingdom requires a visible king. And only when the king himself has returned visibly and in person can the true kingdom of God be established on earth. And personally, I have to say I feel it presumptuous for the church to suggest that we can do the job and finish it off without Jesus. The Bible says that we should be eagerly longing for his appearing. It says that in many different places. I would like to ask you this evening, are you eagerly longing for the appearing of Jesus? If not, why not? Yes, we are, Derek Prince. Hey guys, love that little bit of a message from Derek Prince. And there is a YouTube playlist on YouTube on my channel. And it's called Melbourne Underground Church Playlist. Uh, you can also access it from the website melbourneundergroundchurch.com. Preparing the Bride for the Underground Church, as I've mentioned. So today, just a little bit about evangelism. Really simple. Remember, I only have good news for you. One of the you know baseline principles of my life and ministry is that the kingdom is now. The kingdom is always available. And that's what Jesus said, John the Baptist said, when they said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is a, it is a very significant, um, far-reaching statement because what it means is anything that says the kingdom is coming later, you know, anything that says that you need to wait for healing, for salvation, is a lie because the kingdom is at hand. It's very important statement, the kingdom, the rulership of Jesus Christ, his lordship, his ability to heal and to deliver and to save is always available now. Today is the day of salvation. So what I want to say around the good news of evangelism is that all you have to do is be yourself. If you are a Christian, then you automatically are a fisher of men. If you are a Christian, then you are automatically going to bear fruit. Jesus Christ said, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. So your purpose, your very nature is to bear fruit. The fruit tree doesn't have to strive to produce fruit. 
if it's in the right environment. Now, you might be in a season of pruning, so don't get discouraged. There are seasons. In winter, the trees don't bear fruit. In summer, they bear fruit. I know that there's a... Um, a doctrine around the harvest is plentiful and that is true you can lead somebody to christ in any circumstance in any situation in any era you don't have to wait as i said earlier but you might be in a season where you're not bearing fruit or where you're frustrated but remember you are a witness the very fact that you are on the earth is a testimony of jesus because you are his body when people see you they see jesus Jesus said that. He said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father, because I'm a reflection of him, and I'm, uh, um, I'm you know, uh, uh, like an envoy, uh, um, uh, an image of the Father. In the same way that Jesus is the image of the Father, we are the image of Jesus. So when you go to work, when you talk to your family, on social media, you are already, just by being yourself, you are a seed carrier. You are carrying the kingdom seed. When Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, what he is talking about is territory. He's necessarily talking about territory. The gates are the furthest expanse of a kingdom. The gates of your house, the gates of your paddock, the gates of your property are at the point where your territory ends. When someone enters your gate, they enter your territory. Where, when someone exits your gate, they exit your territory. When you walk out of the front of your house through the gate, you're now back in the council property, the municipality, the, the province. So the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Do you know what that means? It means that we, the church, are the only kingdom that is gaining territory. We are gaining territory. Jesus said the kingdom advances and the violent take it by force. He said the kingdom's been forcefully advancing ever since the days of John the Baptist. Oh, but, you know, what about the wars? What about the World War One? What about the Dark Ages? It doesn't matter. It looks bad on the outside, but I'm telling you, the kingdom has been advancing. Just think about the parable of the sower. Jesus said, the seed becomes the biggest tree in the garden. Jesus Christ was 30 years old before he did any miracles, and he was dead Three years later, three years, he had 12 disciples. He had 100 people in the upper room. He was from a town of a 1,000 people. And yet there are billions and billions of Christians all around the world, some Catholic, some Protestant, some uh, born again. So what I'm saying is this man who only really operated effectively you know, in, in his full-time ministry for three years, doesn't mean he wasn't effective elsewhere, but from a town of a thousand people, literally, the, the, he ended the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was, was the, you know, the totalitarian government of his time. And two or three hundred years later, it was gone. You know, not many years after Jesus' time. So, and then after that, we have 
the establishment of the church all around the world. So even though we've had dark ages, even though things might seem bad, the devil is losing territory. He is losing territory every day that you wake up, every day. So when you go to work, you might feel ineffective. You might feel like you're not a good witness. But I'm telling you, the demonic spirits know that you are a Christian and they know that you are there and they know that you and you alone are on the offensive. The devils are always on the defensive. Jesus said he has already bound the strong man. He could not plunder his goods until he bound the strong man. He could not, in other words, he literally was saying that he cast out the devil from people because he had already taken out Satan himself. I said Jesus cast out the devil because he had already taken out Satan. He made a public spectacle of him triumphing over it in the cross. And don't ask, you know, silly questions like, well, how could he cast out demons before he was crucified? Well, how could he have shared communion in his blood before he'd been crucified? He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It had not been poured out yet. So time is irrelevant. You know, time is 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 another subject for another day. I'm talking about your effectiveness as, as an evangelist. Number one, you can write this down. The Holy Spirit alone is able to convict. You are not there to to tell people their sin. However, by being there, the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting people of their sin. So even if you don't tell them you're a Christian, there's they are going to know because you are literally the light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. These people you work with and in your neighborhood and in your schools, families, they, they are of a different kingdom that is diminishing. And you are the light that is able to shine in their darkness. They will know. They will feel convicted. Whether they tell you that or not is another story, but they will feel convicted. You don't need to tell them, okay? You may need to tell them at certain points and be led to tell them, but but in, in general daily life, you are not the one to convict sin. The Holy Spirit convicts the sin, convicts. He is the one who convicts of sin. So number two is that, you just need to be yourself. You already, by default, by your very nature, are the light. You are already, by default and by your very nature, the salt. You are automatically and by default the witness. You testify of Jesus, of his lordship, because he's the lord of your life because he owns you and he controls you. You don't do what you want. You do what his, he wants. And so you are a witness testifying of the Lordship of Jesus Christ because he owns you. You are testifying of his blood and the power of his blood because the power of sin is broken. You are not a slave of sin. When they see you not sinning, when they see you not judging, when they see you a slave of righteousness, you don't need to be in bondage to alcohol, to sex. You don't need to be in bondage to money. You are a testimony of Jesus' blood. 
and you're a testimony of his name because you are walking under authority. You don't need all the answers to have peace and confidence and promotion. You have favor. You have the name of God. You're also clothed with Jesus himself. The armor of God that you go to work in is the very clothing that Jesus wears because you're wearing his helmet of salvation, his breastplate of his righteousness, and so on and so forth. You are also a testimony of the resurrection, which is the power of God and the power of the age to come. You are a testimony of the resurrection because you are alive. You are quickened. Your body is animated by the Spirit. You are proof that the Holy Spirit came because you are alive. Because you are born of the Spirit. And finally, you testify of judgment and of the return of Christ. Now, judgment is the fact that he will come back. He will come back. When you do communion, you proclaim his death until he comes. You proclaim his resurrection until he comes. You're waiting for your bodies to be redeemed. You're waiting so people will be held accountable. And don't you worry, they know it. They know it. You are the seed that they can eat to become saved. You are the seed that they eat. Remember, you're not just feeding Jesus down their throat. You're not just feeding the the gospel, the Bible down their throat or, or church invitation. When they eat you, they eat Jesus because Jesus is the seed inside of you. You're the fruit. You've got to be attractive and sweet to the smell and sweet to the touch. As you go into work, you're the fragrance of Christ. Salvation to those who will believe and destruction to those who won't believe. And that's what brings it all the way back round to judgment. You are proclaiming the return of Christ, the fulfillment of his kingdom, the redemption of your body, the salvation of your soul, and the judgment for those who reject God. At the end of the day, remember, as you be an evangelist and do the works of evangelism by being yourself, remember this. Keep it in the back of your mind that this person that you're leading, praying, influencing, challenging, loving, forgiving, this person, this this community that you want to be saved, keep it in the back of your mind that they are going to have to drink the blood of Jesus Christ to be saved. They are going to have to make the decision to lose their life in order to find it. They're going to need to confess their sin to you or to God and to exchange their life for his. So don't look. If you know that that is the outcome, then you're going to lead them into the right place. If you think the outcome is them crying and or getting healed or coming to church and putting their hands in the air, that may not equal salvation. You don't know. But what you do know is if they drink his blood and if they eat his body and if they confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in their heart that God raised him from the dead, then they are saved. So remember, you're not trying to force them into that position, but that is the end result. That is the moment of salvation, of being born again. It's not just the fact that they cried or fell over or came to church with you to a Christmas service, although those may be part of God's process. 
You may only be one part of the process. You may only be one step towards their redemption, towards their salvation. I've led some people to Christ in some incredibly dramatic ways that seemed like a Hollywood movie. I've led people to Christ over, you know, close to a decade of arguments <laughs> uh, and, and everything in between, and far fewer than I wish. But I'm encouraging you today in evangelism that if you're a Christian, you will bear fruit. The final point is that you bear fruit in abiding. You bear fruit Your focus is on your relationship with Jesus. He woke up early, well before daylight, and isolated himself to pray to the Father. You have got to be like Jesus in that you have your own relationship with him. If you're going to bear fruit, if you're going to lead people to Christ, it's because of your fruitfulness in your connection to the vine. He is the vine, we are the branches. Don't worry about performance. Don't worry about outcome. Don't worry about numbers. Focus on drinking in the sap of Jesus every day. If you focus on your own relationship with God, you will bear fruit. The focus is on Him. Set your eyes on things above. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and you will be filled. I was listening to, I think it was Joel, John Austin or Derek Prince today, and they said that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. So your satisfaction is not going to come from being a good Christian or being an effective Christian or leading a lot of people to Christ or making a lot of money or getting a lot of YouTube followers. Your satisfaction in life is going to come from seeking righteousness. Now, righteousness you already have, but you are seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. You want above all other things to please your master. So you're doing what he's doing. You're saying what he's saying. You're you're seeking first the kingdom. You're becoming like him day by day. That is your primary value, the kingdom and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Lord, we just pray that you would empower us by your Spirit to be a witness. Yes, that you would give us boldness, anointing, grace gifts, even mantles, Father God, metrons, which is the the sphere of influence, the measure of the grace of God that is on us for our community. We just ask for forgiveness for our sins. Forgive us where we've judged others, where we've compared ourselves with others, with other ministries. We're meant to lust after the greater gifts. We're meant to covet the greater gifts. So we do ask for prophecy, for words of knowledge, for wisdom, for miracles, for signs and wonders, for apostleship, for for prophetic mantles, Lord. We just desire those gifts, Lord God. And we just ask for your glory to come. Let us be the image of God. Let us look like Jesus and be indistinguishable from Jesus. As we look to your face, your face radiates upon our face and our faces are transformed into your face because when we see you, we will be like you. Thank you, Father. Come, Lord Jesus. I pray for everyone who's listening with an open heart that they would bear fruit 
100 times what was sown and that everyone that they sow the kingdom message into, that they would bear a hundred times what was sown. Thank you, Lord, that each person we lead to Christ is transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and they themselves become preachers of righteousness. They themselves become fruit-bearing Christians who bear fruit, who lead people to Christ, who they themselves have the Spirit of God in them who they themselves are containing the kingdom seed and who they themselves are posting and and plunging. I just see like a farmer sticking his thumb into the dirt with great intensity and violence so that he can poke, poke that seed deep into the soil and then he covers it over and leaves the rest for God. Hallelujah. We give you the glory for the signs, for the fruit, let, let there be many souls in heaven, Lord, because of this episode today. In Jesus' name, amen.